0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Good evening again. How's the day? Well, uh, like Pastor would say, how's the traffic? Awesome. okay. We've um, we've been on the Book of Proverbs, and um, today we'll be looking at Proverbs thirteen. But um, before we go on, we let's do a quick recap of what we've been doing or probably start with a few proverbs if we have any new ones we've been on this for a couple of weeks now can we get just two proverbs two people do we have two people that are willing to give us two proverbs and um, tell us what they mean okay we have a hand there Okay, uh, yeah, so we have our two people also. Go ahead, please. Good evening, everyone. Mine is in the so-called. Hey, go ahead. Meaning, 20 years is not forever. No matter how long a situation has stayed, it must surely have a solution. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a Yoruba heritage. It's um, mixed with a little bit of English. So it's a bit modern. It says, um, meaning that, uh, they're in the jungle and they're talking about the different animals that has horns and can use it to, um, to, butt themselves out of, out of the way then all of a sudden, this snail appears saying he has tentacles. <laughs> so, uh, the, the literal interpretation of that is that everybody know your level. Unless it's, I mean, if you're not looking for more trouble, just stay your lane. Know your level. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody should know their level. The level that God has placed them. So, um, We've, we've been on it, like I said. So, how how has the teaching impacted us thus far in terms of our, our habits and our relationships with, with people? Because, I mean, learning an application of what you have learned builds character. Uh, so, anybody wants to share? Do you have anyone that wants to share how it has, I mean, all that we've been doing thus far in the book of Proverbs, how we've been applying, how it has made an impact in our in our relationship with people, how it has made us wiser in the things that we do. Ah, it looks like is it that we have not been applying? Anybody? Our, uh, the choir always has somebody. Are you kidding me? There are no hands. Also, Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so far, I've learned that it's wisdom to ask for counsel before going into anything. No matter how sure you are. Oh God has spoken to you however way he has, you can never go around the pool of counsel. So I've been doing that a lot. Even if I'll still be told that ah, you know what to do now, just do it. I still would ask people and you know, get insight on whatever I want to do before making plans and doing them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's um yeah, we should seek counsel. And um and I pray God will help us to seek counsel in the right place at the right time. So, so, we'll start with, um, we're reading from NLT like we usually do. Proverbs 13 verse 1. It says, a wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. Now, you, you, um, the truth is, it takes humility to be on the receiving end of discipline. It comes with humility and you see there's wisdom in obedience and the humble will respond properly to discipline. That's where you fill the first gap. There's wisdom in obedience and the humble will respond properly to discipline. A refusal to accept correction can actually be linked to pride. And a proud heart is usually not far from it 's not far from foolishness, very, very close to in fact, pride is foolishness. Pride is foolishness, and it takes wisdom it takes wisdom in, uh, it takes wisdom to understand the foolishness in our pride a lot of times it, it can be very subtle and You you will fail to realize that this is pride there staring us in the face. Now, um, let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 to verse 3. So, wise words will win you a good meal, but treacherous people have an appetite for violence. This is talking about self-control a good meal here could be referring to satisfaction success but the, but the thing is you must be disciplined about it saying the right thing at the right time it takes wisdom it takes self control to say the right things at the right time it's not everything you not everything you say i think there's a parable that says something about that not, i mean not everything that the child sees that the child sees, and you see it takes wisdom to control the tongue. When to speak, when not to speak. The, the Bible actually says, "Power, uh, power of life and death, is in the tongue." Look at Proverbs eighteen, verse twenty-one, from the from the Amplified Classic version. Cmm, are you with me? death and life are in the power of the tongue and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. It may not be death for, for I mean, it may not be death at an instant, but the truth is it comes full circle when we continue to spew out the wrong things. It, begin, it causes damage. It continues and eventually, it comes full full circle, and you see, when when it comes to self control, when it comes to the speech, the the words that we say. Good conversation goes a long, long, long way in opening doors, but treacherous words, like the Bible says, are like physical violence, and nothing nothing can co- nothing good can come out of it. Violence is what it is. Violence is violence. Violence be quit violence. It, um, in a fight, they would always say somebody won, but truly, everybody loses. If you, if you watch boxing, I mean, at the end of the game, one guy is standing with a belt, his face all swollen up, and the other guy is lying down on the floor. They say, that guy won. But the guy is bruised. I mean, that's a spot, but I mean, You find somebody that went out there to fight and his mouth is all swollen up and he's telling you you should see the other guy. What about you? We ought to watch what we say. And you see, evil words are like seeds. They eventually grow and they will yield fruit. When we let it out, it will grow. And um, like I said, in everything everything you feel, in every, uh, every... the way you feel things that you actually should, should say it. You see, rashness can actually lead to ruin. Rashness can get you into trouble. Um, a couple of years ago, I mean, when I, when I was in, in paid employment, I, there was a time it was just two of us in my, in my department and mm-hmm. I, had, um, I had a HOD and there was a level between us and me. I was supposed to be, I mean, my appraisals were always good, you know, high flyer, getting, uh, you know, every now and then you get an addition to your salary. Salary increase is not the same thing as promotion because they are bans. You know, so, there was a time, company-wide evaluation, and a couple of people that my department actually even supervises, they were on my level, and they got promoted. And I didn't get mine. Now, because my department supervises theirs, if they can do well, it means we must have done very well. I had a level between me and my, my HOD, so I was very irritated. I got a salary increase. They got a the promotion. I was irritated, and I sat in front of him and looked him in the eye. I said, okay. I can't be getting A's all the time and there's no promotion. Where are we going to? That's exactly how I spoke to him. The guy was trying to explain. Yeah, you know, you know, we ought to learn to respect people. I think I was just, I shouldn't have spoken that day. The guy was like, you know, when an elder is trying to explain what is not, sometimes you just let it pass. mm I was going to nail him. That this is you. You're probably afraid that if I come too close, there won't be any need for you anymore, you know? I mean, I didn't tell him that, but I mean, that, that's where we were going. The guy apologized and said, okay, the next time, a few months after, there was a restructuring and I was out. <laughs> I was out and it was I mean, God is just gracious because I was not just out to a different department. They outsourced me to a different company, you know? But the grace of God, uh, it it didn't work because, I mean, you know how it is now. It's the the guys on the field that do the job. It was just two of us taking me out. It was a planning department. Taking me out would have meant he would have to do the job. And they will be, I mean, obviously bringing in a new person wouldn't work. So, at the end of the day, but I, I learned a lesson in the fact that I knew I had it. He knew I had it. But you don't, you don't scratch your body the way it's scratching you. So, rashness can lead to ruin. And, and there's, there's an old Arab proverb that says take heed. That your tongue does not cut your truth. Don't allow your tongue, your tongue, cut your truth. God do not allow that in Jesus' name. Okay, so uh, we'll jump to verse four. Verse four. Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. Talking about diligence diligence and and fulfillment for your dreams to become a vision and reality you must diligently work at it. Nobody can fulfill your dreams for you. You cannot pray your dreams into reality. You see God will not bless your dreams he will bless the vision that you have put into production. If you don't start working on it it remains a dream. Wonderful dream at best. Beautiful dream at best. Let um, James 2 verse 18. Let's take a scripture from James 2 verse 18. It says, but someone will say to you then, you, you say you have faith and I have good works. Now you show me your alleged faith apart from any good works if you can and I by good works of obedience will show you my faith. We have to work on it. We have to work on that dream. And you see, an entitlement mentality only clouds the senses. And it leads to false hope and dependency. Entitlement mentality. That seems to be be rampant these days. I mean, by the grace of God, uh, I'm an employer of labor and you find out that you have a lot of empty heads, asking for full baskets. They have nothing to offer, I mean, they come in with nothing to offer, but they want the world. Sense of entitlement. In um, Second Thessalonians 3 verse, verse 10, can we have that scripture? it says, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. The, those unwilling to walk will not get to it God understands He has set principles in place, and He expects us to walk with these principles. It takes wisdom, yes to walk with the principles. It takes wisdom to, to walk the principles, to bring our dreams to reality. And God hasn't hidden the wisdom from us. By the grace of God. For they that are saved, they carry the spirit of God and they carry the wisdom of God. But it's actually laziness to stand on the side of um, because I am saved, because God has said said it, I believe it, I am entitled to it, I do not have to walk for it. Scripture says if you do not walk, you will not eat. Um Matthew Matthew Henry's commentary on this is the slothful desire the slothful desire the gains which the diligent gets but they hate the pains which the diligent take they covet everything that is coveted but will do nothing that is to be done and therefore they have nothing when you sow nothing you reap absolutely nothing So, there's, there's dignity in labor. We ought to be diligent if, I want, if we want our dreams to be fulfilled, to come to fruition. Now, we'll, we'll go to verse 5 to 6. Let's jump to verse 5, 6. That's from five five six. The godly hate lies. The wicked cause shame and disgrace. Godliness guards the path of the blameless, but the evil are misled by sin, sincerity. You see, there's a there's a big distinction, a clear gulf of distinction in the ways of the righteous and the wicked. Ephesians 6 described truth as a belt. You can imagine when you are not wearing a belt. If your clothes are loose, then you look shabby. The belt holds firm. And the truth is, God has given us the grace that the truth is never irrelevant even when it's not accepted. Sincerity cannot be irrelevant. It may not be appreciated at certain times, but it cannot be irrelevant. You cannot bury the truth. I can put makeup on it, but it's what it is. You see, the truth is not optional, and twisting it is not wisdom. Some people have mastered the art of say they employed wisdom in telling a lie. They employed wisdom in not telling the truth. The truth is what it is. The amplified version of verse 6, it says, The amplified version of verse 6, amplified classics, it's a righteousness. That's righteousness and justice in every area and relation. Guards him who is upright in the way, but wickedness plunges into sin and overthrows the sinner. Wickedness in this context, talking about telling a lie, whether it is coined as an application of wisdom it will eventually come out and you know when you plant something and it grows it gets bigger than the seed so righteousness is like a fortress and it protects the person of integrity against sin and reproach it builds a wall of protection around you even when the the truth has been buried for a long time it will still come out praise the lord so, let's jump to verse seven, seven to nine. We'll read from seven to nine now. Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. The rich can pay ransom for their lives, but the poor won't even get threatened. The life of the godly is full of light and joy. Yeah, Okay, that's the end. The light of the godly is full of light and joy. Transparency. Sorry. Talking about transparency. You see, pride is is actually pride is arrogantly self, oh sorry, transparency. A pretentious life is not sustainable. And it will eventually lead to compromise and disgrace. You know, many many people do unspeakable things just to to be accepted in, in certain circles. Some would even hide under the, under the cloak of um, of of um, of faith. You know, I mean, some do unspeakable things just to belong. The, I mean, it's the, the, it's it, it all it's all out there, it's all out there in the media. While some people, it, it becomes um, it becomes a way of life. It becomes um, they use scriptures to to define certain things that are not. They live a life that they cannot sustain, or they do not even have, and they tell you that it is by faith. We are calling things that are not as if they were. Yes, we should speak by faith. But when we begin to use the word of God to begin to live a life of pretense, you cannot, you cannot be who you are not. You cannot be who God has called you. I mean, God hasn't called you to be. You may not be who God wants you to be, but you cannot fake it. You know, it's easy to to put up a smile. It's easy to say it's all right. It's easy to say I'm the most loving person around and when you get home, you are alone, you wash up that makeup and all the misery shows up. Instead of living a life of pretense, you get help so you become who you truly need to be. I mean, the the, the marriages that go through struggles the couples will show up in church and you think they live in Eden and when they get home it's World War 3 get help there's there's help available in church GFH is a safe place there's counseling available you see, we go, through, we go through different things in life. And, and the fact is, there's a, reason for, for, there, there's a reason for every season. And God expects us to be who he has called us to be at every stage in life. Where you are, possibly not where God wants you to be. It doesn't mean you are going to remain there. If you do not get the help you need, you will probably remain there. And everybody thinks you are growing, but it's just rules. You know, a long time ago, I heard a man of God say, say, life is in phases and men are in sizes. You don't have, you don't have right now. Does not mean you will not have. In that phase of your life, you need to learn the lessons. You need to, to grow out of that phase. And God takes you to the next phase. And there are different sizes in different phases. So a life of pretense is, is, is actually, is, is just, it, it's more of hiding that which should have been resolved before now. And you see, a life of pretense comes from pride. Pride will lead people to pretend to have what they do not have. Pride will lead, I mean, I have to be like everyone else you know and you see from pride it goes to greed and it's just a continuous slippery unending slope on and on and on and on it goes you can't trade with the devil when you try one you get double so you see don't live a pretentious life what you don't have you don't have and what you have, you have. There's no point hiding it. You know the the the. Um, it comes from a a mindset of a miser, where a miser is a stingy person, and living the life of a miser is akin to living the life of, of a hoarder. We know what the Bible says about a hoarder. Hold everything. Hold everything. Nobody can know I have this. Rather, I want to take somebody else's own. And you see, um, Proverbs eleven verse twenty-four. Let, let's look at Proverbs eleven twenty-four. It says there are those who generously scatter abroad and yet increase more. There are those who withhold more than is fitting or what is justly due, but it results only In want. What God has blessed you with, He has blessed you with it. God blesses you so you'll be a blessing to others. If you decide to hold the seed that you should have scattered, it will remain a seed in your hand. So let your love show your generosity. I mean, it's not a case, I mean, I'm not saying you have to, I mean, one person cannot help everybody. But don't hide because you're afraid that if they know that I can afford this, then somebody would ask me for help. You see, God has not blessed you to flaunt it in people's faces, but that's not an excuse to pretend not to have so you don't, have to bless. you don't have to be a blessing to anyone. It's just, it's just the hoder's mentality. And you see, when he talks about giving, when he talks about generosity, being rich is not limited to money. It's not, because poverty starts from the mind. It's a mindset. Everyone has something to give. And you are richer than you know. Everybody has something to give. Now, you don't give, you, I mean, you don't give by compulsion. You don't help people by compulsion. You help by instruction. Instruction from the Holy Spirit. God has given you this, the Holy Spirit. God has given you that spirit that that tells you what to do. You don't help by, you, you see, um, I, was, uh, I was discussing with somebody and we talked about conscience and the Holy Spirit. What role does the conscience, does our conscience play for 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 we that carry the spirit of God. Everybody has a conscience, right? Whether saved or not. And the conscience is to um, help, it makes the person feel, feel better. The conscience prompts the person to do what would make the person feel better. The conscience would prompt a person to help somebody. Well, when you carry the spirit of God what is the need for a conscience when the spirit of God tells you what to do you are led by the spirit not because it will make you feel good but because this is what God wants you to do so you see if you dodge the responsibility of being a blessing to someone God will just raise someone else to take a place. It's a case of dodging the responsibility of sowing on a particular field so you hold your seed and God brings somebody else that sows on that field and there's a bountiful harvest. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. So you see, when you do not live a life of pretense, when you, you do what you are led to do, you find out that your relationships take a different dimension. Whether you have or you do not have, I mean, the quality of our relationship is not dependent, is not the result of what we have or what we do not have. It's a function of, it's it's dependent on our character. Um, Let's have that scripture again. Say ma'am. Yeah, thank you. No, no, not Proverbs eleven. Verse seven to nine. Proverbs thirteen. It says So some who are poor pretend to be rich, others who are rich pretend to be poor. There's no point for there's no reason for pretense. If you don't have it, you don't have it. It doesn't change the relationships that God's gonna bring into your life. The relationships that matter have nothing to do with what you have. Rather, it's about what is in you. Verse 8 says, the rich can pay a ransom for their lives, but the poor but the poor won't even get threatened so does it mean we should just it's better to be poor I mean it's two sides yes the poor man is not wor- worried well wealth brings to a certain level some level of security but the truth is our security is in God and the same God who has blessed you with wealth is more than able to give you the capacity to handle the responsibilities that come with it It is the man that his security is in his wealth that to be afraid of ransom. Jesus has paid the ransom for us already, all of us, rich or poor. And you see, your trust should not be in what you have or have not, but in God. It doesn't mean, I mean, we should be careless. With our, we should be careless with our security, but the truth is, no matter how much you have, God is your security. Scripture says, "The watchmen watch the tower in vain; if the Lord doesn't watch over them." So we we, we need to. I mean, that that scripture they saying yes, the the the, the wealthy. They have a lot to worry about, comes with a lot of responsibility. But the man that has nothing, is not afraid of anything. But God wants us to be influencers. And for you to be an influencer, you must get to that wealthy place. And God will take us to that wealthy place in Jesus' name. It goes beyond even, when we say wealthy place, it goes beyond money. There are people that God has blessed with knowledge. There are people that God has blessed with a heart of service. I mean, they have an abundance of talent. Don't be afraid to use it. Don't be afraid to use it for God. Let's um, jump to verse 10. Proverbs thirteen ten. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Pride leads to, you know, pride is arrogantly self-sufficient. You don't need anybody when you are full of pride. You, I mean, you've got it covered, you think. Confidence is a good thing. But um, like uh, Inca said earlier, there's, there's confidence, there's, uh, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. You can never know enough. In um, First Corinthians ten, verse twelve. Let's quickly look at that scripture. First Corinthians ten twelve, say Can we look at it? Okay. First Corinthians ten twelve. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. If if pride is blinding the eyes of a person, it's very easy to begin to think that you've got it covered completely. Why do you need counsel? But the truth is you cannot stand alone we're made for community. God, has, God hasn't made us islands. You know, there are, there are animals that are solitary animals. They live alone. When it's time for, for, for reproduction, they find a mate and they go away again. God hasn't made us that way. So, do not allow pride to... You know, it's a lie of the devil when you find it difficult to speak to somebody that you, you do life with. You know, sometimes there are people that they, are, they, are, they have the urge, they are led to speak. I'm not talking of asking for, for, for monetary help. I'm talking about even asking somebody that they pray together for the person. They cannot ask the person to pray for them. Say, they don't, I mean, I'm supposed to be, to be the leader. If I ask this person, I mean, I'm supposed to be older than this person in the faith. If I tell this person to join me in praying for this thing, it may look like uh, I have, I don't, I don't have it covered. Truth is we're made for community. We should pray for one another. We should be able to, to share Things like that, we should be able to join faith with one another, and God will help us. You see, and um, verse eleven, Proverbs thirteen eleven, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. You see, steady and wise investment produces prosperity. You see, you, you, must, first, you must first learn to walk before you can run. The principles of sowing and reaping doesn't change. It's precept upon precept, line upon line get rich quick is just another ploy to distract. You have to be wise. When somebody tells you, you bring this money and we we cover it overnight and it becomes double. Seriously? Even God doesn't do miracles like that. You see God teaches us how to how? And it gives us opportunities to make and sustain wealth that will last from generation to generation. Get rich quick cannot last. Even if a man decides to be the, he's a, he's the smartest uh, scam in the world, he may, he may, the person may be able to run that through their life. And when the next generation comes, what happens? You can't fool everybody all the time. If you manage to do that, your children cannot continue to fool everybody all the time. Because the fact is money made by dubious means is not sustainable from one generation to another. Easy come, easy go. Just like that. Now let's look at verse 12. It says, hope the fed makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Delay is not denial. And even when God God delays or when God says a no, it's always for our best interest. It's good to hope. Hope comes from trusting in something. It's good to hope but 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 the thing is our joy should not be based on what. Um, our, rather our joy should be based on what God says it to be not what we want it to be you make a request I mean you, you if you've been asking God for something and it seems like there is a delay or God has even said no there is a reason for the no You tr- you cannot query God there is a difference asking God why from a perspective of clarity and asking God why? Because you need him to explain himself to you. God cannot be queried. When you're asking him why, yes, because you're seeking for clarity. God is a loving father. But when we begin to give him query, then we are crossing the line. He's not answerable to any man. You see, our joy should not depend on the gift, but on the will of the ultimate source. The gift is what you want. Maybe that's what God wants for you. But what you need is what God will give. And when there is a delay, yes, it can make the heart sick. But our joy is not a function of what our heart says. Our joy comes from salvation. After all, the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. So, even when there's a delay, instead of being depressed, we should go before God to seek clarity, to seek for direction. God will help us. Um, let's jump to, to 13. Proverbs 13. We'll, we'll take 13 to 15 together. Say, people who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect a command will succeed. The instruction of the wise is like a life giving fountain, those who accept it avoid the snares of death. A person with good sense is respected. A treacherous person is headed for destruction. Trust. Can we leave the scripture from verse 13, please? Leave it up. Looking at it from the the perspective of trust. Fine, you cannot take advice from everybody. Especially in these days where, of social media where everybody has an opinion. Everybody knows what is wrong. Everybody knows what you should do. But the truth is, just like we, we, we read in verse 10, nobody is meant to be an, an island. When we despise advice, when we shy away from everybody, then what we're trying to say is we can sharpen ourselves on our own. If we, if we look at the amplified classic version, it says, whoever despises the word and counsel of God brings destruction upon himself, but he who reverently fears and respects the commandment of God is rewarded. Scripture is saying God has given us guidelines. His word is our guide. Uh, Proverbs 3 verse 1. Can we see what Proverbs 3 verse 1 says? It says a wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. So if we go back to what 13 and 14 is saying, whoever despises advice is asking for trouble. Those who respect the command will succeed because the instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. It's God's word. Anybody that, I mean, seeking counseling, seeking advice, it's not, you're not expecting the person to advise you just based on what they know, but what they have learned from the word of God any 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 advice that cannot be backed up with scripture cannot work we have to be we have to be to be to be wise in where we get advice from everybody seems to have something to say but where is it coming from we know where the scripture came from We know what the scripture is advising us. So, where is this one coming from? You see, God's word are words of wisdom and he not only provides safety, he provides nourishment. Life giving fountain and the safety and nourishment from God's words always evident for all to see. When you begin to walk with the word of God, when you take the word of God in advice, in counseling, and you begin to work with it, it becomes evident. It starts from within and it begins to, um, it comes from the inside and it begins to reflect upon you or rather from you. So you see, the word of God is God's counsel and there's safety in God's instruction and command. The word is a shield in our lives. Amen. Now, verse 16 to 18. Let's look at discernment here. It says, Wise people think before they act, fools don't, and even brag about their foolishness. You know, you know, when you see somebody that's telling you that, you know, the, the person tell you that they are crazy. So you should person is bragging that they are unwell. That's foolish talk. An unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. Discernment, you need to be able to discern, right? Foolish talk is foolish talk. Think before you speak. Understand before you offer a solution. you know, a lot of times, some people talk and you're like, did did you hear what you said? And there comes the that egg on the face expression. You know, it 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 pays, it helps to to think I when um, before you offer a solution even if you know the answer, even if you think you know, think about it. Whenever my, my son asks me a question, the first thing I tell him is, "What do you think?" I say, "Why is this thing like this?", I say, "What do you think?" You need to think about it first. You need to always have a plan. How are we going to do this? What do you think?" And, I mean, the, that scripture goes on and tells that the quality, the, the, um, can we have that scripture again? It says, an unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. The truth is, the quality of the messenger would determine the quality of the delivery of the message. So, you need to work on yourself. The scripture says that we have been called to preach the gospel. It says we are all ministers of the gospel. But you need to work on it. Just because you know the Bible, scripture, you go out there and you open your mouth, the spirit will give you utterance. No doubt. But you should be able to stand and defend what you are talking about. Have you thought about it? Before you say a word, what are you going to say? When you are sent on an errand, you need to have a plan. Because when you deliver that message, the recipient may ask a question. What do you do? You need to work on yourself. There's a reason why people are trained and experienced diplomats. You see, the, the village town crier cannot do the job of an international diplomat. Because the town crier is, is garbage in, garbage out. They tell him, go and relay this message. And he goes there. He doesn't even know. He doesn't think about... There's certainly no feedback. And you see, and that scripture also tells us that there's always something to learn from Criticism. But pride can be a stumbling block to that. You know, pride goes before a fall. Pride hinders discernment. Doesn't mean you should listen to everybody. No, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. I mean, it doesn't mean you should take everybody's criticism. No, but you see, the truth is, when feedback comes, some can come in the form of praise, some can come in the form of feedback, there's always a pattern. In between the multitude of messages, there's something in, in, in between. You see, not all criticisms are valid, but it takes humility to sift through the lot. When we have become too full of ourselves, we just mark a big X and before we know, we're not getting any feedback and we're wondering Is it that I'm that good or something is wrong with these people? So, it takes humility to sift through the lot. Not all of them are valid. God will help us. So, verse 19 to 21. 21. This will be looking into relationships, 19 to 21. It says, it is pleasant to see dreams come true. But fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. Walk with the wise and become wise. associate with fools and get into trouble. Trouble chases sinners. While blessing rewards the righteous. You know, there's this thing, they used to tell us those days, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Uh, and it's so true. Uh, you see, relationships matter a lot. It, it takes wisdom and knowledge to see dreams turn to reality. Yeah? But you see, when you do the wrong, th- the, the, the right things with the wrong crowd, it gets you nowhere. It might be right, but it's the wrong, the wrong relationships. So you see, Wisdom and knowledge is abundance in the word of God and the midst of godly counsel. Surround yourself with people that can give you godly counsel. Because trouble is never far from the counsel and gathering of the wicked. You need to examine who is influencing you. trouble is never far from counsel and gathering... The, when, when I was in school, there was this time I got into serious, very serious trouble. Not because I was doing anything wrong. I was just living in the wrong place. And I I mean, then I would say, I, I mean, I'm not afraid of people now, so why should I run till I got into trouble? Serious trouble. And by the grace of God that I came out of it, Because you see, when they come and they gather the wicked, if you find yourself in the midst of the wicked, it doesn't matter if you are saying, but I'm just here trying to tell them to do the right thing. You first go and answer for the charges. You see, a life of disobedience is foolishness and attraction to the devil. You shouldn't be in the wrong crowd. And when you decide that, look, I want to be a disobedient person, you just attract trouble. You attract the enemy. It's a simple case of principle of cause and effect. Um well running out of time, so I'll bridge through verse twenty two, twenty-three, and twenty-four. So let's it says good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. Go ahead. 23. A poor person's farm may produce much food, but injustice sweeps it all away. 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. You see, verse 22 is talking about the reality of dreams of the righteous is seen as seen in verse 21, when we read verse 21, the reality of the dreams of the righteous is passed on to generations. Yes. So, I mean, let's, um, you, you read scripture with scripture. Let's look at uh, Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3, quickly, just to buttress our point. Say, Praise the Lord, hallelujah, blessed happy, fortunate to be envied, is the man who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His spiritual offspring shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Prosperity and warfare in the house, and his righteousness endures forever. His righteousness endures forever. When we walk in obedience, when we get the right relationships, we find it easier to, I mean, we, 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 we find ourselves in the right place and you find out that that's, that which you have been building diligently passes on from one generation to another. Your children are looking at you. You cannot spend all your time in, with the wrong company and you are telling your children not to be naughty. When all your friends are naughty, come on. And verse, verse 23, yes, there isn't justice in the world. But the events of this world do not have the final say in the life of the righteous. doesn't. As long as God is on the throne. And um, verse 24, it talked about sparing the world. Those who spare the world of discipline hate their children. Our father is he chastises those he loves and discipline is evidence of love like the word says. So, God expects us to extend that discipline into the lives of our children because the children God has given to us, he didn't give them to us to own and do whatever we like with them. We are only custodians meant to train them till they become adults so, even as God disciplines you as a loving father, God expects us not to spare the rod, just because we cannot afford to see them cry. And verse 25 says, the godly eat to their hearts content, but the belly of the wicked goes hungry. And I mean that is as clear as day he says the righteous will always find satisfaction because of their contentment in God the righteous will never be satisfied and it's a result of their greed and insatiable appetite and that becomes a torment in their life there are people that are not hungry but they just want to keep eating. There are people that are, that are stealing, not because they even know what they will use it for, but it is just an insatiable appetite. I just have to get it. But the righteous day that God has blessed, says you will find satisfaction. Not because of what you already have in material things, but because your contentment is in God.